You ready, Los Angeles? It's February 6th, 2020. I'm JD, and this is Modern Feeds Drive Home for a Thursday evening. Essential listening, handpicked without a lick of politics in sight. Let's do this. It's going to be fun, I promise. Today, two unlikely musical gems that couldn't be more different, but then again, couldn't be more delightful. Then, a couple of tasty foodie podcasts from the last few days. Finally, let's drive it home with some serious true crime from the archives that was all over the press in the last day. Let's dive right in. In 2018, the amazingly eccentric Jeff Goldblum and his Mildred Snitzer Orchestra released their first record, which climbed to the top of the jazz charts. Let's start out with a taste of that. Jeff Goldblum, the Mildred Snitzer Orchestra, and guest Sarah Silverman. Yeah, she's hilarious, and I I love her very much. Here's how it sounds. Me and my shadow, Jeff Goldblum and Sarah Silverman. And now to repeat what I said at the start. They need a large crowbar to bust us apart. We're alone but far from blue. Before we get finished, we'll make the town roar. We'll change that name, Redskins. Is that such a chore? Then we'll tackle climate change hats off to Al Gore. Life, Life is, is gonna, gonna be we while we. That's Sarah Silverman singing with Jeff Goldblum, who's playing piano there. Me and my shadow from the debut album from Jeff Goldblum and the Mildred Snitzer Orchestra. I love it. That's from yesterday's World Cafe podcast from WXPN in Philly and NPR. You know, Goldblum, like everyone else, is not from L.A. He's from Pittsburgh. You got it. I admit it, I'm crazy for Jeff Goldblum. He's a kook, but he's an amazing kook, who we all know is the star of movies like The Fly and Jurassic Park and a gazillion others. He's even got a show on the Disney Plus streaming service called The World According to Jeff Goldblum. And while acting may be his day job, jazz is his passion. He's an accomplished jazz pianist who even played the Glastonbury Festival last summer. Now, he's put out two records with his band, the Mildred Snitzer Orchestra. In fact, on Wednesday nights in L.A., I'm dying to go see Jeff Goldblum and the Mildred Snitzer Orchestra in their sometimes regular residency at the Rockwell table in Los Feliz. Call me up. Let's go. It sounds like a ball. Tomorrow night, he's actually playing in San Francisco at the Orpheum. Now, if you can't go to these shows, listen to the podcast where he talks about his new record called I Shouldn't Be Telling You This. Here's the thing. While it could be dismissed as a novelty or a vanity project, it's not. His first record rose to the top of the jazz charts, and this second record features guests from Sharon Van Etten to Fiona Apple, the Django Jazz Quartet, and in this clip, Miley Cyrus. Listen to this. It's Miley Cyrus with Jeff Goldblum and the Mildred Snitzer Orchestra. And uh, then we thought, uh, Miley Cyrus, and like I say, we contacted her, and uh, put them together. And I'll tell you, when I first heard this, I was also, well, I, it may seem, I'm emotional. I'm emotional. So I was, I was once again kind of uh, uh, weepy and <laughs> uh, sort of uh, knock, knocked out by it. <laughs> Different kind of tears than Fiona. Fiona, when she sang live for me, I was, uh, I was, I was, I was, uh, it was uh, deep and the uh, uh, tears started to kind of uh, dribble, dribble out. This one, I was sort of knocked over flat on my back and sort of wailing in, in 
in satisfied uh, tears. <laughs> okay, well, you'll want to make sure you're sitting down for this. It's Miley yeah. Cyrus singing with Jeff Goldblum and the Mildred Snitzer Orchestra. The thrill is gone. It don't appeal to you. The thrill is gone. The thrill is gone. Miley Cyrus singing with Jeff Goldblum and the Mildred Snitzer Orchestra. It's in your playlist below. Now switching gears in a major way. There's something totally unexpected, truly mesmerizing about Rick Rubin's conversation with Ozzy Osbourne from yesterday's Broken Record podcast. Although Ozzy is there to talk about his first solo record in over a decade, it's Ozzy's reflections on the early days of Black Sabbath that I found really fascinating. Just listening to him with Rick guiding him and prompting him made the conversation sublime. It was effortless. It was like two old friends talking. And if you saw Ozzy on the Grammys, you know that he's suffering from Parkinson's disease. But this conversation is so good. It's lucid. It's amazing. It's worth your time. Take a listen. Here's a clip. Um, people started, when the album got in the charts, it was like, we used to play like these underground clubs. Underground then was what's underground. It was really underground. <laughs> but it was good. Yeah. Because word of mouth. Yes. Soul Black Sabbath in the first one. We said, fuck TV. Yeah. Fuck doing this. We 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 were a people's band kind of thing. And back in England then, it was like doing Top of the Pops was a bad thing. But we all did it all eventually. And uh, it was just amazing. The first something told me could Sabbath, bloody Sabbath. Then the drugs, the alcohol, the wives, the divorces, and all the trappings, you know. We found out the man who was ripping ourselves. We tried to manage ourselves. We get yeah, a fucking clue. And the booze started to get heavy. I started to drink more and... Bill started to drink more. I mean, me and Bill and Tony and Goose, and we just got ugly. No, it didn't get ugly. It got, there was no fight. We, we, it was a band that we believed in what we were doing at first. And then we got royally taken to the cleaners, and we just thought, what's the point? You know? and, I, I, and when they fired me, I thought, oh, I'm Sharon Svater was managing us yet again. <laughs> and I, I thought, that's just. We don't want you to be. We get fucked up all the time. And I've got to be honest, at that point, I just said, I'm done. Broken Record Podcast in your playlist below. Okay, food nerds, have I got a podcast for you. It's the latest episode just out today of the Dave Chang Show. Now, you know Dave Chang. He's the New York chef behind places like Momofuku in the East Village, a slew of other joints, and even the chicken sandwich place called Fuku. You also know him from the Netflix show Ugly Delicious. Now, Dave Chang has taken L.A. by storm with his downtown restaurant, Major Domo. Dave and his wife have also written about how much they love the food scene in L.A., so I think they'll open other places here. Before we go into the episode, a little inside baseball. The Dave Chang Show is on Bill Simmons' The Ringer Network, which just this week was sold to Spotify in a deal reported to be around $100 million. Now let's talk about the episode. In this episode, Dave courageously invites the critic from New York Magazine, 
onto the show, the critic Adam Platt, who coincidentally is the brother of actor Oliver Platt. Now, Dave doesn't really know Adam Platt, and Adam Platt is trying to hawk his book. But really, what the whole conversation is about is that tension between artist and critic, and they really go at it. Here's a taste. If you're a food nerd at all, I really recommend listening to the episode in your playlist below. Okay, that was New York, and it's fine. It's fine. Well, what no, did I say it's, about it's, subjectivity? It's, it, yes, but my job isn't to be subjective here. <laughs> my job no, is to I, figure I, out exactly what happened so we don't make the same mistake again. Well, I, you know, because if I, another show gets treated this way, man, that's not acceptable. I, don't, I just don't buy that, that it's the critic's fault at a restaurant. Well, I'm gonna t- uh, let me tell you I'm how. Not, I'm why. just not buying it. Okay, you're but you, no, can, you but don't you have can, to. I will tell you exactly how it right, happened. You didn't lecture me. Go ahead. But I'm, I'm, I so 71 Clinton opens up in right. 2003. The internet, as we know it, does not exist, at least with food, right? You can't even, there's nothing that happens uh, food-related online. It gets opened and mixed reviews across the board because critics don't quite understand what's happening. That, at that moment, critics still, as you said when we started, held the keys to whether you're going to close or not. To a certain extent. To a certain extent. Yes, yes. Okay, fine. Come move on. on. Move on. Move on. There's no way. Move on. Because of the, the, the it got a two-star by Grimes, and in general, Gold ripped it up in the gourmet. Yeah, he didn't like that kind of dining. Right? Yeah. Jonathan, again, we're like, talking about Jonathan Gold, Jonathan the, great, Gold. the great hero, the great, he didn't like it. Yeah. He didn't, didn't like he, it. He, he was, he was in, he, in New what? York at that point. I was the nicest critic about that place. You were, but. So why am I taking a, all this as heat? A, as a whole. You guys basically, to give you an analogy, basically said, oh, this is Infinite Jest by David Foster Wallace. The Dave Chang Show in your playlist below. Now, you're going to kill me, but I got to sneak one other one in. It's this week's Good Food Podcast from KCRW because there's such a lovely profile of Frida Kaplan, LA's Mick Jagger of the produce world who passed away recently. Here's a taste. It's also in your playlist below. Frida was not someone that was going to let her gender define her and was not going to be pushed around by other people. The Packer, the Bible of the American produce industry, a magazine that's still around, they named her the first ever woman to win Produce Man of the Year. One would have to do something pretty remarkable to be dubbed the Mick Jagger of the produce world. And Frida Rappaport Kaplan did just that. With tenacity and the word obstacle banned from her vocabulary, Frida found her place in a male-dominated industry by introducing Americans to exotic fruits and vegetables that changed how we eat. Frida's passed away at the age of 96, and Gustavo Ariano is here to discuss what she's left behind. Finally, a little true crime ripped from the headlines. You may have heard yesterday that convicted Ponzi schemer and fraudster Bernie Madoff who is currently serving a 150-year prison sentence, has petitioned a court for early, way early release because he's apparently dying of cancer. Now, you may recall, Madoff was convicted of defrauding people of somewhere between 16 and 20 billion, with a B, billion dollars. Some estimates go as high as $60 billion, but that's complicated, and you'll have to listen to the podcast in your playlist below to get into all of that. Now, the podcast. About three years ago, a podcast came out from Audible called Ponzi Supernova. Some of the folks behind it were people from Radiolab at WNYC. Now, Ponzi Supernova, at the heart of Ponzi Supernova, is a reporter, Steve Fishman, 
who spent years courting Bernie Madoff with letters and correspondence. And finally, Bernie granted him a series of prison interviews that are at the core of Ponzi Supernova. Now, uh, coincidentally, Steve Fishman was, in the end, booted out of prison because the prison decided that he was a risk for some reason. But that's also a whole other story. Now, here's a clip from Ponzi Supernova. And I've included both a best hits episode from Ponzi Supernova, that's the Radio Lab episode, and Ponzi Supernova itself, which is six or seven episodes in your playlist below. But here's a clip. Listen to it, and you decide should Bernie Madoff be released early? I've interviewed serial killers, child rapists, people considered monsters. I suspended judgment. I wanted to hear their stories, to understand them. This doesn't mean I wasn't horrified by what I heard, but I tried to see the world through their eyes and exercise in empathy. At times, I feel empathy for Bernie. But here's what struck me about Bernie. He didn't feel empathy. He claimed to feel remorse. He mouthed the words, but there was always a but. On the phone with me, every single time, Bernie mentions victims. He can barely get through the apology before interrupting himself. They were warned. They were greedy. Always. Whoa, and we're done. If you made it this far, why not text me and let me know? Yes, release that guy early. Or like me, no, he can't go. And have a great evening. I'll be back. Thank you. Bye.